This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, and welcome in, friends, to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. I am Jalen Chan. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, John Mon. John, it is always good to see you. It's always fun to hang out and talk. How are you doing? Hey, Jalen. Uh, it's good to see you, too. I am doing pretty well. It has uh, been a, a, a pretty packed week in the office. Um, I think part of it is we have an upcoming uh, district conference. So basically, all of our staff is heading to a, a conference this coming week um, with the rest of the pastors from our denomination that are in our regional district. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that, but often, as is the case when a week like that comes up, the week before is, you know, filled with a lot going on because um, we're trying to get everything done, whether it's for this podcast or for ministry, so that we can be at that conference for three days. Um, and so, yeah, it's been been kind of a hectic week. And then on top of it, this weekend, we have a um, kind of a mission-focused weekend at church. It's not our full-on mission conference. Um, so I'm not really responsible for any like worship leading or anything like that. Uh, but we do have some guest international workers joining us for the weekend. And so that's really, uh, it's always fun to have um, folks from uh, serving with our denominational family, hanging out with our church this weekend. And so I had lunch with um, one of the couples and we actually realized we had a mutual friend, uh, someone that lived on my floor when I was at Moody and that I did ministry with back when I was in Wheaton, he was a, another youth pastor in, in our area and didn't realize that that they were actually from the same church basically. And so wow. it was just really random. Um, and it really, you know, there's this saying in the, in the Christian Missionary Alliance that the Alliance is a very small family, like everyone kind of knows everyone and it, it's definitely true. So it was cool making that connection today. Um, yeah, but it's been good. What about very you? Cool. Um, I was going to ask, if, does your missions conference happen at a different time during the year? And then is this like missions weekend? Is that typical? Is that something you guys do yeah. often? So normally we have our mission conference in the fall, like mm -hmm. around September-ish. But we'll have like periodically throughout the year um, what we call missions uh, emphasis weekend or, um, yeah, focus on mission weekend. I think cool. is the official title. So this yeah. might be, I feel like we have at least two a year like that. Um, and they just kind of happen. It's not random. Like we definitely plan it ahead of time, but usually it lines up with when an international worker from our denomination is in the area. And so if they're here and um, they're able to spend a weekend with us sharing about their ministry and I think encouraging our church and us encouraging them because um, it goes both ways. Uh, then we'll we'll have them in. So like, for example, this weekend, um, this couple is going to hang out with our young adult ministry on Friday. 
they'll spend time with the youth ministry on Saturday and like our mission committee. And then on Sunday, they'll share in most of our services. And so, yeah, it's kind of a packed weekend, a lot of engagement, um, but it's a, it's a good way for our people to really know what God is doing um, in our world. So, yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool. I wonder if, and I don't know if you would know the answer to this, but I wonder if that helps kind of keep the, the, the thought of global missions and even local missions on people's minds throughout the year. So it's not just like, you know, it kind of comes and goes in the fall during the missions conference and then, you know, falls away, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of cool that you guys do that. That's really cool. I I think it does. Um, It's definitely not the only time that we talk about missions. I mean, you know, in theory, our full denomination name is the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And so right. it's definitely a part of our DNA. Um, but I think it's good just to have weekends like this one to really remind people and invite them uh, to participate in the work, both through uh, through giving, through prayer, um, through hearing the stories, and even just, you know, building relationship with, with some of our ministry partners from around the world. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. I'm going to take that for our own congregation. That's really good. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add, you know, so sometimes with like a mission conference, there's just a lot going on or a lot more involved because you're planning like multiple services, like combined worship teams. Uh, and usually when we have a weekend for a mission conference, we'll also have, you know, guest speakers. Um, but this is a little bit more low key. It's more like they just come visit, they hang out with a couple groups, maybe a fellowship here or there or a small group or Bible study you know, depending on their fit or connection with different congregations. So, if, you know, if there's someone that's serving in a largely Chinese context, then they might spend more time with the Chinese small groups or, or Cantonese small groups or something like that. Um, and then if they're in a different context, they may spend more time with English or um, with youth or young adults. It just kind of depends, varies from uh, weekend to weekend. But what about you? How have you been? Uh, been doing well. Uh, this past week we had our third gathering. Uh, it was a, a conference with the uh, Thriving Immigrant Congregations Initiative that we've been doing, and it was really good, really helpful to think through sort of the next steps. Um, so this is again for those people who are familiar with what I'm talking about with our Thriving Immigrant Initiative, uh, Thriving Immigrant Congregations Initiative. Um, we are uh, looking at strengthening our, our congregations, um, our first generation and second generation congregations to serve well together, to partner well together, to be unified, but ultimately to be on mission together. And so uh, this is this we're in the second year of this two year project and we're starting to now look like outward. How are we as a first um generation congregation and a second generation second generation congregation working together uh, for the benefit of our Judea Samaria and to the end of the earth mm. and so um, it was really cool just to to talk with our our leaders in the Chinese congregation to think through you know they're doing things missionally that are kind of on their own we're doing things in our English congregation that are on our own but what are we doing together that is going to benefit our community and then also the world and so we've begun dreaming and strategizing and planning for how we might do that well. Had a chance to hear from two ministries that are doing that uh, in different places. And so it was just really inspiring to hear that stuff and um, just sit around our table with the the six of us in our team at, at our church and 
uh, think through those things. So it was really good, but it's been, it's just been really busy, you know? Mm. And so, um, it's really exhausting, you know, just kind of just thinking through, okay, what are we doing? What are the gifts and, and, um, you know, resources that we have within each congregation? How do we bring those together? Mm-hmm. But it's been really cool to think about those things. And I think we have several things lined up for this year and actually moving forward into the future that we're really excited about, um, you know, including like just, um, looking at missions trips together, uh, that would include our Chinese congregation, our English congregation and our youth group and allowing some of our youth to step into some leadership roles there. Uh, and of course, Mm. you know, leaders from both congregations. So, um, yeah, just really excited about that, but, you know, praying that the Lord leads us through that. So very excited about it. So was this conference also uh, local or did you guys travel like you did for the last yeah so it was it's local for us i mean so trinity evangelical divinity school which is in deerfield illinois hosts it um Mm. uh, they run they run the project sorry they didn't host this this uh conference this time but it was hosted at trinity grace church which is a good friend of our uh, our pearson lau who uh is actually the former english pastor Mm. at trinity grace Mm -hmm. church and is now moving out to your area uh, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty upset about because <laughs> we lost another Chicago land pastor to the, to the West coast, but yeah, that's not my fault. Yeah. Even though people have been saying it is, it is your fault. No, but, it's really not. Well, that's, that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, but yeah, I had, I had breakfast with him um, the day before he left and just, it was my final, my final pitch to keep him here, but clearly <laughs> didn't work. So anyways uh yeah i think you're gonna have to blame his new boss tony for that one i blame both of you yeah okay (laughs) well sounds like it's been a a busy and impactful week for you guys at ccfc so um but yeah i'm excited for our podcast tonight um our guest tonight i had been hoping to have her join us um while she was on staff at my church uh, but I think we missed it by like a couple weeks. Um, and so tonight we have as our guest, Kin Kwong. Kin is the recently retired um, Director of Ministry Development at my church, San Jose Christian Alliance Church. And I've known Kin basically um, since like the first time I set foot in the church when I interviewed, because I met her. She was part of the um, the staff that, that interviewed me and um, got to know them. And so we've worked alongside one another for various projects and different things at our church. Um, Throughout that time, you know, it's been a little hard for me to really narrow down exactly what um, Kin does because she does so many things or did so many things for our staff over the years. So I'm going to let her kind of describe a bit of her, you know, her role in in a second. But Kin, it's just so good to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited to hear uh, or to share your story and your journey with our listeners. Um, so welcome to the podcast tonight. Thank you, John and Jalen, for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah, thanks, Ken, for joining us. And John was just telling me earlier before we started recording that you also have five kids. And so that's something we have in common. And just huge respect for that. I know how hard it is for my wife and just a uh, huge blessing to you all for, for sticking through that. It's a lot of work. But Including that, can you share with us just briefly your your ministry journey, just sort of the way that God brought you into 
ministry work and then how he's led you to where you are now? Sure. Um, I guess I'll just start with uh, my family background. My parents were not believers. So growing up, I really didn't go to church. And, um, you know, even though my parents were not believers, they were not against God. I think they knew that God exists. It's just that it wasn't what they wanted to explore. So during my freshman year in college, I uh, was approached by Campus Crusade, which is crew now, and they asked me uh, to, to answer a few questions, you know, and one question led to the next and to the next, and then I ended up accepting Christ. And I think the person who asked me probably went back and shared with the group that, wow, there was such an easy catch. You know, she just said yes to everything. But definitely, I believe that the spirit was working because that was really the beginning of my journey in coming to know Christ. And throughout my whole um, college years, I was involved with the campus ministry and, you know, joined a local church and all that. So that's how I came to know the Lord. Um, I went to a student winter conference, which is like once a year at the end of the year that all the students gather. And I remember um, at that conference, you know, the theme was from Isaiah, whom shall I call and who will go for me? I remember answering that call, walking up, you know, to the front and all that. Um, I'm not sure if I knew exactly what I was answering to, but I think in my heart, I just knew that, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. But what that will look like, I don't think I knew. And uh, after I finished college, I, uh, you know, began my career as an engineer in Silicon Valley. And both, I met my husband in the church. So we both were very active uh, serving the Lord in the church. And, um, you know, one child, the next and five came, just very busy with life and with work and all that. Um, even though I was an engineer and I was able to do the job, but that was not really my passion. I just knew that it was not something that I was happy with or that I loved it, you know? And after my fifth child, I was like, just lay me off so I can stay home. <laughs> um, you know, in, in the, in the, um, Back in those days, layoff was, you know, happening and and I always wanted to be the one to be laid off, but it was never me. I don't know why, but it was never me. And um, when I was contemplating, like, what should I do next? Now that I have my fifth child, you know, I should just stay home and not work anymore. Uh, at that time, uh, the senior pastor at the church Basically, my husband and I kind of grew up with the church. Um, so we were very close friends. And the pastor called me and said, you know, we were praying um, during the staff meeting about who we should ask to come on board. And your name came up. So why don't you pray about it? I was like totally shocked because it never crossed my mind um, to go to the church and, and serve there. So I hung up and I thought, that's really funny that he would say that to me. And I, I told my husband, I said, I got a call. And, uh, you know, the church wanted me to be a part of their team. And um, we started praying. I started praying. And I told God, 
that it was not a good idea. And I had se several questions or several criteria for the Lord. I said, if you answer me very clearly and specifically, then I will know you're calling me. And sure enough, one by one, he answered me every question I had, either mm. through something I read or through the scriptures or through somebody who said something along that line. I was like really taken back, you know, that God really spoke to me and I couldn't say no anymore because he answered me. So I, I agreed uh, to go on board. The interesting thing is that um, they were looking for business administrator for the church. And, you know, my background is in engineering. I, I'm, I felt totally unqualified to step into that role. But I think that um, the church had a lot of faith in me. They said, no problem. You just come on board and learn on the job. And um, I did learn a lot on the job, job, not knowing exactly what to do. So that was my first role um, at the church. And over the years, I basically um, worked through many different ministries, starting from children, youth, young adult, college, singles, family, couples. And I think because I grew up in the church in some way, as I age, my ministry just covered more and more age group. So um, yeah, that's kind of a nutshell of my calling and my ministry. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen that in action, Ken, um, just even in our, you know, couple of years of serving together on staff, how you are discipling people, whether it's our like summer interns who come in and they're mostly high school seniors or college students. And then you're also doing, um, you know, work with various women in the church or, um, you know, some of the, the new initiatives that you're a part of, which I think we're going to talk about in a moment. So I don't want to spoil that. Um, and I, I guess one of the, the questions that I wanted to just dig into with you is, you know, how have you seen, uh, because clearly your ministries have changed over the years, uh, but how have you maybe seen like your passion uh, and even you, the way that God has wired you for ministry, how has that shifted and grown over um, the years serving in our church? Because you've been on staff for or we're on staff at our church for, for quite some time and faithfully served through different seasons and seeing the church grow and seeing yourself grow. So I think I'm just curious to dig into that. Um, sure. Um, I would say I never thought of myself as a people person because um, as an engineer, I was a process engineer, which is very system and very, you know, um, steps and that type of thing, uh, very focused on how to get things done and get things completed. So I always saw myself as a more non-person type of, um, you know, not a people person, let's put it that way. So when I came on board as a business administrator, I took that role very well because I said, you know, tasks need to be done and I'll get it done. But, um, things kind of change a little bit because my husband was also an engineer. And after I came on staff a few years later, he was also invited to join the church. Mm -hmm. So he switched from being an engineer to the um, young adult pastor. So, uh, and my husband is a very people person. Like he can talk to somebody for hours and he enjoys that. 
and I will be like standing outside of his office door, peering in and giving him the signal, come on, let's go, you know? So I always saw him as a person who really had a lot of patience with people and I didn't. But as the years went on, I feel like God um, gave me the desire as well as the joy in serving people besides just doing the administrative things. So little by little, I discovered that I really enjoy spending time with people. I used to think that I'm not that type of person, but over the years, I really love just having the one-on-one -on -one or even with a group of people to just share lives. And it, it has brought me a lot of joy being able to do that in ministry. So I would say I was a task-oriented person. Now I'm a very people-oriented person. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing that. I think one of the reasons is, um, you know, especially maybe when I was uh, like earlier on in my time in ministry as a person in my 20s, I, I really thought a lot about, you know, who am I? How has God wired me? And I just thought, this is this is who I am. This is how I'm going to do ministry. And it was very like narrow and focused and specific. And I think much like a lot of things in our lives, you know, even though the Lord has wired us a certain way, he often empowers us and calls us into new things and wants us to grow into it. And so even hearing that, I think that's just a really important thing for our listeners to, to glean from this that, you know, it's it's one thing to kind of start in your lane, you know, like you said, doing some of the, the administrative tasks, that was what you were wired for. But if we only stay in that place, I think then we're not letting God do what he wants to, to grow us into to new things. And so I really appreciate not just hearing you say that, but having seen the fruit of that, because I'm coming in towards the tail end of it. And so if you had told me, you know, like before I met you that you were, you know, wired for the administrative side of things, which I know that you are very good at. Um, but I, I, that would not have been my guess, you know, after a year or two of serving with you alongside you. And so I, I think that that's just a very, um, yeah, key thing for us to, to take away from that. Yeah, I, I would imagine that for you having kind of grown up in the church and served in so many different roles, and even then seeing God kind of retool who you are, giving you new opportunities to serve, that it would have been hard to kind of transition out of serving full-time at uh, SJCAC. And so, as John mentioned, you've recently retired uh, from your role on staff at um, San Jose Christian Alliance Church. But how did you know it was time to finish? Um, because I would imagine it would have been hard um, having, having developed and created all these relationships, having served in so many different ministries on one hand, I'm sure it was like, okay, I'm done. Like I've, I've done enough. I've had enough. But on the other hand, I could imagine too, where it, it, it could have been like, I want to keep doing this because I'm, you know, there's a certain level maybe of, of comfort or of, you know, um, just understanding of being in the church and, and the role that you have, but yeah, how did you discern that it was time to move on? You know, I think um, in terms of retirement, I actually have been praying and thinking about this quite a bit um, prior to making this decision. The more practical thing is that, you know, when you turn 65, the government pays for your Medicare. Mm. 
So that was a big thing that I don't have to pay for my own medical care. <laughs> the other part is also that I have to say God is so faithful and so good that I don't necessarily need to be on the payroll at the church to do what I do. So I felt that's another freedom that God has blessed me with, that I can still do what I do without getting the pay, which is great for the church, right? More money to John, right? But uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think the practical aspects of things lined up for me in terms of um, financially that I'm able to just not have to be on pay staff. The other thing that I really feel what makes this decision the decision not difficult is because i'm still a part of the church i'm not going anywhere like i'm not going to some you know retirement community or anything this is still my home um the church is still where i belong and i love continuing what i do just without the pay and without the title which is what most church members do right they, they are all volunteers mm. so i i feel like that's what made it so easy for me is that I'm not dropping all the balls and going to golf or, you know, cruising around the world. I still have what I enjoy and I still, I'm still able to do it. And um, yeah, I, I, I think everything just lined up for me. I would say the freedom is that I don't have to go into the office. I don't have to, you know, be responsible per se but I can still actively be in the community. I think that's really encouraging to hear. And it sounds like it's, it's, it's a healthy, it, it was a, it was a healthy way to kind of conclude the, the, the work that you were doing because you're still able to serve, but how did you, what were some keys to finishing the, the, the ministry well, or at least the, the vocational part of it, the, 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 the paid part of it, I guess, how did you kind of close that out? Well, so I, um, I would say my role is very unique in the sense that I'm not a pastor. Like I don't have a very specific ministry that I'm in charge of. Like I'm not in youth, I'm not in children, I'm not in, you know, any specific congregation. I can move across all the different ministries. But in each ministry, there is already a dedicated person for that, right? You know, you have children, youth, and young adults and all that. So I did not have to pass on my responsibilities to anybody in particular. And um, because also what I do is so broad that it's not like there's going to be a big hole if nobody picks it up and... Um, there are a lot of people involved with all the things that I've been doing. So um, I would say I'm continuing what I have been doing. Um, so I, I did not feel the need to have somebody train up or, um, you know, asking somebody to do a specific thing that I've been doing. Yeah. And I think that that probably speaks to, and, and I would assume that there's a level of humility that you're not sharing here about how, you know, you've, you've probably developed enough volunteers to kind of do the things that you're doing, or ha at least develop some team members who are able to do some of the work so that there's not a hole left behind as you leave, which is, I think a, a great way for us to think about what we're doing, regardless of the ministry that we're doing is being able to develop and prepare people behind us so that it's not 
dependent on one person. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. I think that, uh, that I, I'm, I'm kind of reading behind between the lines a little bit, which, you know, I, I would definitely commend you for. It's funny because Ken, what you just said about how, even though you have kind of left the formal vocational side of ministry, meaning, you know, you're not coming into the office daily and joining us for staff meetings, which we definitely miss having you around, um, hanging out with us and, and stuff. Um, but the ministry have that you're doing in, in lots of different areas is continuing. And that's something that I remember uh, our lead pastor, Ted, was quick to remind everyone of that even though you're leaving staff, you're not going anywhere, that you're continuing to, uh, to, to serve and, and participate. And so um, I want to just change gears for a moment and talk about one of those ministries which you are continuing to do. Um, and, and it was started pretty recently. So this would seem like one of those things where it's like if you had retirement in mind, you know, it might not make sense to start a brand new ministry within three months of, you know, your end date. And yet, because you've had this, this attitude and thought of, it's just the formal side that's stopping, but being connected to the life of the church is continuing, then it makes total sense, like why we would launch uh, this new ministry, um, the third third, uh, just this year. So I wanted to just give you an opportunity to share a little bit about this ministry, because I think the name is pretty unique and I think very creative. Um, and so what is the third third and what was kind of the vision behind it? What did the Lord, what has the Lord really placed on your heart for this ministry uh, at our church? Yeah. So I didn't come up with a term actually fuller has this whole department, um, geared towards the third, third ministry basically is the third part of your life. So it's the 55 and beyond. So when they mentioned when they use the third third means people who in a, who are in the fifty five and beyond uh, life stage. Um, the reason why I really took interest in it is that I felt that you know as I retire, I really want to know exactly what it is that I'm stepping into and how I can be um, how, how how I can really live that out that that last. I don't want to say last stage, the third stage of my life. So uh, uh, as I was reading and, and exploring, I came upon the um, this whole, you know, uh, ministry focus from Fuller. And they had a course that they just released this past November or December or something, uh, talking about how do we get people who are in their third phase of life to flourish and to be fruitful. Those were the two main points, that people can continue to be flourishing and be fruitful in their third stage of life, which normally, I think, in general, people don't think of themselves in that way. They tend to think like, okay, I'm retired, you know, I just take it easy and just coast along. But it's very contrary to what God would see about how we live out our life in the third phase. So when I... um found this material, I've really felt the conviction that we need to, or I need to share this with my peers, my friends who are in their 50s and 60s, and how we can walk together in this phase of our life. And um, from what I have, you know, learned is that 
the statistic from the U.S. Census Bureau is that by the year 2035, there will be more people over age 65 than children. So this population is growing so fast that if the church is not paying attention, we're going to miss the boat. And honestly, I think when we look at the church across the board, we have very good um, ministry for children, for youth, for single, for family. And then mm -hmm. after that, nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there is no real focus or preparation for people who are in the older age bracket, which I think is going to be a big problem in the near future as this population grow bigger. So um, I'm hoping that our church will start preparing and really getting ourselves ready how to minister to this age bracket. When you look at the third phase of life, there's actually another three segments within that age bracket. So you have people who are recently retired, they're healthy, they're strong, you know, they still have a lot of energy, they can do a lot. So people in their 60s to early 70s, that's the first phase. And then you have the 70 to the 80s, which is now maybe physically they are less, you know, um, less agile or they, they can't do too much physically, but their mind and their spirit are still very strong. And then you have the last phase, which are in their late 80s and 90s. You know, basically, these are your elderly. So I really feel that even though people are in their retirement, but that first phase of 10 plus years is the best year of their life. I mean, I'm talking about myself as well, you know. Like you have no responsibility, no kids. <laughs> Hopefully your finances are, you know, pretty settled. You're not paying large debt. You have all the time and all the freedom. And if we can capture this population to really mobilize them to serve the Lord during this first third of their life, of the third third, it will be so powerful and so wonderful. So um, I, you know, I'm just one person, but I'm trying to really um, ask those who are in their, you know, first phase of the third third to really come along and say, yeah, you know, what can we do? How can we integrate our faith and with the time and the resource into this kingdom? Yeah. And I think the other piece is also how can the church really uh, highlight and also focus on how to bring this about in the church ministry. Yeah, I think just as you're describing even these kind of sub phases within what we would call the third third, I, it really sounds a lot like the mirror or like the opposite of how we talk about like children's and youth ministry, right? Like that um, as children grow from elementary school to junior high to high school. I think we see that high school segment, you could call it a third also, or even into college as being very impactful. Like there's just a lot that we want to release young people in that season, um, maybe because they've grown from the uh, immaturity of like, you know, or yeah, the immaturity of 
um, elementary or junior high years towards maturity and as they move into that. And then, um, and, and I think a lot of times we think of that in, in cognitive, cognitive development terms, but in for the third third, it's like almost the opposite, like cognitively already fully developed and seasoned and, um, and yet maybe there's maybe in some cases a little bit of a decline physically as the years go on. Um, but, but the Lord still wants to do so much, I think, through that. So I think it's just interesting, like, if a church is able to really see that picture of both ends of the story well and minister, because usually I think we tend to focus in the middle, right? Yes. That fully formed middle. And it's the beginning, at least for me, definitely my, my eyes are fixed on the beginning part of it. And we need people who are thinking about the back end of it too. And I, I think that's just so... Um, just so important. A, a question that had popped into my head as you were sharing is why, why is it do you think that sometimes churches, they don't have anything for ministries, you know, once you pass a certain life stage. Um, and, and I do know, like, I've been in churches, they've had like ministry towards um, maybe like senior communities and, and things like that. But, but oftentimes it's framed differently than the way I hear you talk about the third third when it comes to launching and empowering people. So like, I'm just curious why you think that churches don't really think about that because especially for maybe a Chinese heritage church or like a Chinese cultural background where there is a very strong emphasis on like honoring um, your elders and caring for your family um, members even into that phase of life. But it, you know, how does that affect the way we maybe think about this age bracket in the church, or do you think it affects the way, you know, um, we look at this age bracket in church? You know, I don't have all the answers, but these are just some of my random thoughts. I think the first thing is that we tend to think, well, these are adults. They know what to do. You know, they should be able to figure things out, which is true to some extent. But when it comes to the church serving and empowering we don't really empower the people who are in the third third. We kind of just let them be, you know, like, okay, you know, they, they've done their work, they're retired, just let them be, which is not a very good thing because not everybody has figured out what to do after they retire. And from what I've been reading and, and understanding is that usually there's a real big um, identity loss when people retire. Let's say they've been engineer all their life, or they've been a dentist, or you know, a contractor, or whatever. When they stop working, they don't know who they are anymore because if the identity is tied to their occupation, now there's a big hole, and it's left up to that individual to figure it out. What should I do next? And somehow we think that okay, everybody will figure it out. But I don't think everybody has figured it out. I, I, I feel like we need to come together and, and support and encourage each other to find out what is the purpose of our life at this stage. And that's what that, that course was so powerful. I, you know, Jalen, I, I think you can look into that for your congregation, is that it went through step-by-step step defining what is your calling now? You know, what is your purpose now? Because as we change our life stage, you know, our purpose and our calling takes different shape and form. 
So it was really good to ask those questions again. You know, what is God calling me to do? And how can I launch into this? And what are the important components in have, having a very healthy, flourishing and fruitful life at this stage? So I, I just feel like somehow the church as a whole, we haven't really thought about that for our older generation, but it's really important because we're wasting all the resources and the giftings and talents of the people in that age bracket. And in one of the article I read, um, it said that actually, if you can really minister to this age group, they have the most wealth because a lot of them, you know, have disposable income. They have the most time because they're not really responsible for anything anymore. And then they have the most experience. So if we really empower this age group, our church can really thrive even beyond what we're doing now. Because oftentimes we focus on the younger people, right? You know, get them to do this and that. But if we integrate this age bracket into different phases of our ministry, welcoming them into that, I think the church can really benefit. So to answer your question, I think in some way we're like, okay, these people are adults, they have lived their life, let them figure out. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I think, I, I mean, I love the, the passion that you have for developing and empowering uh, these senior members, these third, third folks who are part of the church. And I think that one of the, the beautiful aspects of being in a Chinese heritage church is that we, we tend to, most Chinese heritage churches tend to have these different generations, right? Uh, that is a, a unique characteristic of, I would say, probably most Chinese heritage churches is that we have, you know, a, a good amount of people um, who are kind of aging into that third, third, uh, I guess, what are some things that you are hoping to do or that you're already doing at SJCAC that are empowering and mobilizing these third, third folks? Um, what are some things that Chinese heritage churches can do that, um, that you're hoping to do that you're already doing? Uh, I don't have the answers to those questions because we just finished the course and it was great that, you know, we had like 30 plus people who attend attended it. And they were in their, you know, 50s and beyond. Uh, we are trying to figure out how do we uh, move forward in bringing this together. And one of the things that we're doing is we gather and try to figure out, like, that's our first step. Let's just gather and see how God leads us. So we're definitely praying together and seeking the Lord in what is our, our next step. So we don't have anything concrete uh, planned at this point, but there are many ideas and many thoughts. I, I feel like it will take a while for us to really know what will make sense for the congregation. And, and also, you know, when you throw into throw in the different aspects of English speaking, Cantonese speaking, Mandarin speaking, it gets a little bit complicated. Like what works for one language may not work for the other. I wonder too, if, just thinking about even the questions that you're asking, Ken, and the way that you see um, members of our church, you know, I, I feel like something that I appreciate about our church is that um, I, I just have a sense, I don't know if historically we've been this way entirely, um, 
but just in my time, I've really seen this, this, um, yeah, this, this heart to release whoever's in the next generation to serve the Lord. And oftentimes that means that key leaders have to make way for whoever that is not necessarily speaking of like, you know, next gen being like the under 30 crowd that I'm working with, but just over the years, right. Um, uh, having different people step into leadership and serving and releasing them. And I think that, that mentality and that heart for ministry to like make a way for those who are behind us is a really important biblical one and a valuable one. And that probably has cultivated some of this need now where people have stepped aside and let folks who are behind them step into what God wants for them. And then now you're like, you're saying they're not quite sure what to do, what's next. And so really that's what you're thinking about is how do we not just have them step aside, but release them into new things. But I also think that in some Chinese heritage churches, uh, both stories I've heard and even from some experience, that's not always the case, right? That That's not always the case where someone um, just naturally steps aside so that someone can step into that, especially someone who is maybe behind them in their journey uh, with Christ or, or from like a, you know, like an age hierarchy, someone who's younger or something like that. And so I, I just wonder, you know, like when you think about mm, for the Chinese heritage church in general, like how do we help churches see both values there, right? This value of uh, releasing next generation, but also empowering the generations that are stepping, you know, aside to release the next generation, because I think both are necessary um, for the health and sustainability of the church. Yeah, I, you know, I think there is this, like you said, the, the older generation, when they step aside, they usually just go silent or, you know, really disengage, uh, thinking that, okay, let the younger people take over or, you know, step in. Um, I feel like it has to be both ways, meaning the invitation still has to come to the older generation because they don't want to overstep, right? So they're trying to make room. But then if they're never invited back in, it's hard for them to say, hey, I want to be involved. So it's like a dance that has to be figured out. Um, for some people who are a little bit more reserved or um, I want to say not as vocal, they may just stay in the back and wait until somebody is actively pursuing them to get involved. So it's, it's necessary for the existing people who are in certain ministry role to be intentional in inviting the older generation to come in. And then on this end with the older generation, they don't need to feel like, oh, you know, I've done my part. I don't need to get involved anymore. I've given what I've given. But to, to feel like, yeah, I still have a lot to give. I still want to be engaging and involved. So it's like a, a dance between both sides, how to make that work. Yeah, I really appreciate that you that you recognize there is that there is that sort of like that dance, that figuring out of what what is my role, what is my responsibility, because you know, of course, ac across the landscape of Chinese heritage churches, there are some churches that are are, are kind of like 
SJCAC, where I think it sounds like the leaders who are who are getting older are ready to kind of release and let the younger generation step in. And of course, there are other Chinese heritage churches where, um, you know, to be frank and to be honest, it's harder for those older leaders to let go and they hold mm -hmm. tightly to it. And I think there's there needs to be some wisdom in recognizing um, the Lord is moving me into a later season of my life. And I need to, part of the way that they're empowered is to actually disciple and develop younger leaders. And so I think you're right that it's, it's certainly depending on the context of the Chinese heritage church. Uh, sometimes the older leaders need to be invited back to stay involved. And at other times it's the older leaders who need to invite the younger leaders to step in. And I think, I think the, the end goal is still the same is that we need every generation that is represented in the Chinese heritage church. And like you're saying, to figure out that dance to say, Hey, we need one another. So how can we do that? Well, uh, given the context that we're in, given the people that God has placed here. And I, I love that you're recognizing this is what we need at our church. And I'm stepping in to help our third, third members, um, be invited back into the ministry life that is going to help um, deepen the faith of the rest of the church. So uh, I really appreciate, I, I really appreciate that thought. We, we like to wrap up our podcast with this one last question, um, especially because I think a lot of our listeners are those who are currently serving in churches, uh, but what would just be one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in a Chinese heritage church? Um, I would say be faithful in everything, that the faithfulness is to the Lord, um, that no matter, you know, what task or what role or what responsibility to really be faithful in what God has given at that season and at that phase in life. Yeah, I received that personally. I think that's such a helpful piece of advice and uh, so timely for me personally. So Thank you for that, Ken. And thank you for spending this time with us. It's been just a wonderful opportunity to hear about the ministry that you're doing and the way that uh, God is moving you into a, a new opportunity. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.